Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 326 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on blog talk radio and speaking of books my book nerd witchy friends lisa marie please god let me say her last name right bazile wait bazile bazile Bazile. <laughs> Bazile. Lisa Marie Bazile is on the show today, and she is a poet and an author and the kick ass creatrix behind Luna Luna magazine, all things that I'm pretty sure you're going to love. So, welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, so happy to be here, Joanna. Okay. And I totally just asked you how to pronounce your name. I wrote it out, B-A-Z-E-E-L-A-Y, and then I, I panicked. I panicked. I panicked. Don't worry. <laughs> I panic when I say my name, too. Don't worry. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just an Italian name, and it's got a little gusto, but mm-hmm. really, honestly, Bazzile. everyone says it differently, and it's totally cool. Bazile. Okay, I didn't know you were Italian. That makes more sense. I mean, yeah. when I look at yeah. it now, I can... Okay, so it's B-A-S-I-L-E for all of you running to Google. <laughs> um, okay, so I know you from Twitter, which is, mm-hmm. I think Twitter, if anybody's a writer or wants to be in that business, and you're not on Twitter, I have to say, what are you doing with your life? I agree. I think, you know, people say what they want to say about Twitter being a negativity cesspool. But I actually think it's, it's like a beautiful place to create community and to get to know other people Mm -hmm. that do the same thing as you and, you know, and learn from people who aren't the same as you. Yes. Yeah. Fan culture. Like if you're a fan of something, you can find totally you can find your people. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I found you through Twitter, so thank God for Twitter. Right? (laughs) That's amazing. And it's funny because um, I originally just kept seeing posts about like Luna Luna magazine and being like, oh, that's really interesting. It's, I love that it's an online magazine, just for people who don't know, but it's done at a really high quality level. I think both in the way it looks, but the writing. Oh, thank you so much. So, yeah. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Is that by some just lucky stroke of magic or are you like flexing your editorial skills? How is that happening? Oh, my goodness. So Luna Luna was started about five years ago. We're going to be turning five in July. And at first, it was just a group of friends and myself. Um, I wanted I was working in this miserable job. I was like, totally just over everything and I needed a creative outlet and I needed a community I felt like I was really lacking that so I built this little blog on WordPress and I had some friends who were amazing and generous enough to write some blog posts every week and from there it kind of just grew until one day a few years later (laughs) the site collapsed and it it just was eaten by malware and I have no real web skills. So it was reborn 
um, two years ago on Halloween. That was totally on purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) with Squarespace, which is a really beautiful, um, like, site host and and mixed with like my experience just as an editor that's what I do as a day job and the other people that work on my team particularly someone named Joanna and someone named Nadia we just put our heart and souls into it to to make it feel like you're diving into this like beautiful cozy place where you can you know read about light and dark Yes, I'm going to ask you about that too, because this is definitely a theme that I have caught on in, in internet stalking you. Um, <laughs> and, and that's what I kind of was going aiming for anyway when I brought this up. It's like you meet someone on Twitter and you're like, oh, they seem cool. And then you go, if it's you, you go and check out your online magazine. And you're like, whoa, this is really, really good. For me, it just kind of like stopped there for a minute and then I was like oh my god and she has this book coming out oh my god and she has poetry and oh you start like learning as you cyber stalk somebody (laughs) what their what their about page says yeah and I was just like oh now I'm like so damn excited to have you on the show because you have you have a lot of heart woman I really love that when I was uh checking out like on your bio, you talk about being from the foster care system or being right. in it at some point and how that's a right. passion of yours because it can be psychologically traumatizing for kids. And I know you uh, you have a degree in psychology, don't you? Or you at least went for a degree? You studied uh, psychology? Yeah, yeah. It was, my, ba- my bachelor's was in English and psych. Mm-hmm. That, yep. that must have, a seed must have been planted back then, Yes. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think, you know, when I I was in foster care as a teenager, and it was kind of around the time when I really started delving into witchcraft and mysticism and, of course, how psychology plays into all of that. And I guess I just got my hands on, like, Jung's work and, and, and Freud, and I kind of fell into this this place where I wanted to even just understand my own sadness and my own trauma. Mm. And then by college, I was like, all right, I'm going to study this. This is amazing. Um, and it, it kind of, I guess it bled into all areas of my life as a practitioner, as a poet, as an essayist. Um, I, I'm fascinated with the psyche and how, how it plays a role in who we are. Um, and I, I can't say I figured it all out at all, but I, I love to explore it. And I think that's probably like the through line in all my work from writing about foster care and its effects to why I write the kind of spells and rituals I write. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just fascinated. I mean, I could, I, if I lived forever, I could, I have so much to learn. <laughs> oh, I feel exactly the same way. And I feel honored to be a part of this time where witchcraft, as I know it and as the people that I end up connecting with there's this it's that like psycho spiritual thing where the spirituality and psychology exactly. meet and which I'm pretty sure they should anyway the whole like mind body spirit thing you know it's like absolutely it's a holistic experience this life and it's weird when I think we separate things out like here's the psychology box here's the witchcraft yes. box. It's like, but they inform each other. And your body, I've been really into the body stuff lately, but they all yeah. work together. 
That's it's exactly that. I love when you talk about the psycho spiritual. I mean, I I totally agree with all of that. But there was there was a lot of time in my life where I was misaligned, where I didn't realize my body was doing something because my mind wasn't right, or I didn't realize I was thinking something because I just hadn't been in nature for for a month and a half. Like <laughs> it's all definitely it's amazingly beautifully connected. Yes. Yeah. I'm so too, I, I, we're going to talk about your book and I want people who are listening, who are like, let's talk about the witchy stuff to know that that's <laughs> mainly what we're going to talk about. Cause she has it's a book, coming. She has an awesome book coming out about all things witchcraft and, and in the flavor that we're talking about right now, I think it has a very psycho spiritual flavor, which I love, but then there's also a lot of physical ritual, but before I get to that, I have to say, as a person who has written a lot of bad poetry and some good poetry, I am a lyric lover. I am picky, picky, picky about what, in my opinion, <laughs> qualifies somebody to call themselves, po- <laughs> call themselves a poet. Anybody can call themselves a poet, obviously, but... This is true. Yeah. Yes, but it... I, I think it's such a personal thing that even within the realm of quality poetry, you're still only going to click with like a tiny percentage of it anyway, I think. Totally. Even the fabulous stuff, right? But I would say you're in the pool of fabulous stuff and I totally click. Like you're in that little percentage and I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is amazing. I I had a lot of fun. It was just a nice unexpected surprise. Oh my goodness. Honestly, that's amazing. I wish I could get what you just said tattooed on my body and just <laughs> read it back to myself every day. That's, is it, thank you. Is it weird if I want to read just like a few sentences from one of your poems so people know that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not full of it right now? Not at all weird. Go for okay, it. Okay. I, I, I'd rather you read it than, than I offer Oh, it's so, it's so <laughs> awkward to hear somebody read your stuff, I think, or to read it yourself. It's very strange, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> oh, I, go for it. I could. So, okay, yes. so there's a poem I found called On Begging, and I pulled out a little piece in the middle. This is not the beginning. This is not the end. The whole damn thing is excellent, but I thought it was exceedingly obnoxious to try to read the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, you're not obnoxious. So this is what it is. This is what it is. Okay. The emptiness won, I say. The steeple fell. It pierced the earth. There was nothing seeping out, nothing that we can see. Shall we plant our last goodness into the earth? Choose the light. Or choose a semblance of light, I say. For me. For me. For me. Choose any particle of light you see. Hold out your hand and catch it. Let it burrow into your ancestry, those dark-haired fathers, fathers, fathers that have been denounced and called sin. We are sin then, my father. We are sin. I feel I feel like Oprah, my God. <laughs> oh my God. That's that's um you read that beautifully. I was captivated. I'm in love with it. I'm in oh, love with it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I have a tendency to be a melodramatic poet. But you're not. No, no. No, you're not. No, you're not. To me, like, melodramatic is, like, very self-conscious and over the top. So maybe we're We're like saccharine. It's not. It's just, like, the perfect sweet spot of awesomeness. I'm so in love with it. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) Also, I have to say you have what looks like to me like a poetry chat book coming out with a co-author. And 
Nympholepsy. Yep, nymph- I, I am dying over that title. I just want to say that all day long. Nympholepsy. Nympholepsy. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. What is that? Nympholepsy is a book that, yeah, I co-wrote with Alyssa Moorhart-Goldstein, another poet. We did um, a master's degree together. Not that it really matters, because I would not encourage anyone to spend their money on a master's degree in poetry. Um, but I, uh, Nympholepsy is it's basically a play on the idea of being desired as a, as a small-ish creature. So it's, it's a transgressive title that kind of looks at, like, how it is to be desired, how it is to be fawned over. Um, and the book, which is coming out with a press called Inside the Castle, who do amazing work, um, just like mind-tinglingly amazing work. Um, it's kind of about like the theater of self-performance, like you inhabiting a person that you think you should be versus who you are and all the kind of weird, sexy, dark fun but terrible things that go along with that so mm. that's nymphalepsy it's that's... coming out i think it's a november okay so you have two books coming out this fall right yeah it was not planned oh well hopefully hopefully they'll they'll stoke each other's flame a little i hope so i hope so yeah. unless people just end up saying oh god i'm so sick of her mm. stop talking yeah see <laughs> I, I know people don't like often not not people in general some people don't love like when you start talking about poetry they're like oh my god then they're like off going and doing something else or clicking on the next thing so my plan was <laughs> to seduce right. them and be like we're going to talk about magic but first um uh, because it i really do i think it's just uh quality stuff so I wanted to mention that and then I also you just said it again you said the word dark and um your magazine Luna Luna it says the content is divided into light and dark where readers can feed their good and bad sides and then the title of the book that you're actually here to talk about is light magic for dark times and right I feel like we could do like a two hour episode just unpacking that title because. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> there, I just thought it was a good place to start talking about the book because I have questions. So first, what do you mean by light magic? Second, what are we yeah. talking about in terms of dark times? Are you saying the times we're living in in dark or that this is a book for when times get le- dark in your life or both? Yeah, no, this is a great, it's great questions. And I do appreciate you asking because I think, I honestly do think um, it's easy for people to kind of glance at and think that there's this perfect binary. Things are either light or they are dark and they do not intersect and light is good and dark is bad, period. Um, And that I think is obviously super not the case at all because we need both to exist. Um, Although, you know, working with a publisher, I did need to have a a quite tidy title Mm. to kind of sum up what I'm going for here. But I would I would say light magic is really, you know, light magic could have a lot of, you know, it could play in the dark as well. But light magic, I think, is anything you do that kind of works toward healing or transformation or change. Um, I don't think I have all the answers around light and dark. And I think everyone and their you know, in their practice or their path is going to 
feel a little bit differently, but I would say light magic is anything you're doing to kind of push for growth and evolution. And if that is shadow work, then I think that's still light magic in a sense. Um, oh, yes. I always think being a light worker is being a shadow worker. It's about shining light, oh, yeah. shining light into the dark so you can see. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the best way of putting it, I think. Um, so for, for light magic, it's it's kind of like regenerative and and healing um though it might take you know different forms in in the kinds of spells or rituals uh, or meditations that you do but for dark for the book's title light magic for dark times i guess dark times is very much like inferring the times we are presently living in especially in the united states but for for like on a personal level as well so a dark time might be where you just can't get in touch with yourself and your dreams and your goals and you can't manifest and you're caught in a slug or it could be more literal like you've experienced a grief or you're you know you are chronically ill and you're having a hard time you know connecting with and appreciating your body so it's dark times on a grander and sort of macro scale Mm. that's what i was hoping to go for with the with the title um and with the content yeah Yes. You know, what? what's interesting, too, is maybe I'm projecting myself onto the project here a little bit because I tend, <laughs> I tend to do that. But uh, when I relate to something, you know, you're, you see all the ways oh, it yeah. mirrors yourself back at you. And I think myself, I'm a very like sunny woo-hoo kind of person. Right. And then I'm like, all of a sudden, I just take a turn and I start talking about like shadow work or like just darker things. That, that's why that, I love... That's why I love your podcast. I, I listen to you and you are a beacon of light, but then you're not afraid to go dark and you will get into it. And I love that. I feel like your book is that because it looks <laughs> it looks so sweet and it looks it's illustrated. We should totally give a shout out to the illustrator. And yes. Ada Kiesler. She's Ada lovely. Kiesler. Yes. Very adorable. It looks so cute. It looks like... Um, very light and very sweet, but also then there's just quality stuff for doing the actual work and really digging in. So I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's a pretty good, just to give people an idea of what, what we're talking about here. It's a fairly comprehensive overview of like what the life of a modern witch would be and how to live it. And I think it would be a really sweet gift for like a witch curious friend or someone who's new to the path (laughs) or someone who's looking for just like a fresh practical approach to like witching it up in the real world today. Yes. I, that's, that's the exact person I wanted to write it for. Obviously I think experienced witches could, um, you know, delve into this book and have it be an addition to their, their, grimoires and their practices but for me it's just for the modern person who wants to experience a little bit of ritual who maybe wants to kind of like make a ceremony out of their self-care or the person who kind of dabbles in in a magical lifestyle but needs a little bit more of a foundation um, those are really the people I had in mind women marginalized people who maybe don't have a feeling of autonomy in their lives um and people who 
have always been interested in magic, but feel like it's exclusionary in some way that they need to be initiated or that they, you know, like need to study intensely before they can even um, embark on casting a spell. But I mean, and all those things, you know, I totally honor, you know, initiated witches and, and, um, lineage and, you know, study, I think that's all very valuable. But I also think there's a space for people who, you know, want to make magic and, you know, kind of need a place to start. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's what I think is exciting about your book and just about the time. Like, the the way culture is presenting witchcraft right now is so accessible. And in my so, opinion, it should be because it is. Because we are magic and because... We've, yeah. Like, this is not... It, 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 you can do magic without standing in a circle with 13 other people in robes at the exact perfect astrological lineup. Saying, like, that, that stuff is interesting, and it adds depth, maybe, if that's what you're into. Um, but also, you right. can just go outside and take the ribbon from your hair and and let it blow in the wind as you're, like, releasing a, a thought that's driving you nuts. That's such a beautiful image, and I might steal it for a poem. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly um, fine. <laughs> I um, no, I completely agree. I mean, we we are magic beings. We're like we're energetic, you know, natural creatures, and I think we should honor that. And also, magic has all always been used by people who like maybe were oppressed or who didn't have the privileges and advantages of others. So magic was their tool. So I think you know, magic has to be accessible. There has to be a way to embrace it like in an easy and maybe not super expensive way I can't I certainly wasn't able to purchase like an athame when I was 15 Mm. or a chalice or um not knocking that of course but but I think what you have on hand can be incredibly powerful absolutely yeah I think too it's it's strange sometimes to like religious buy something that's just so natural I I Yes. When I think back to, like, folk tales and what we know of history, this was just, like, integrated into everyday common folk life. Like, this is what people yeah. did. But because it's, like, just who we are. It's normal to say a blessing, I think, if there's something on your mind yeah. in that regard before you take a drink. Like, it's it's just something we do. or It's, like, what we are, who we are. No, exactly. I mean, I, I think that we do it when we're in the kitchen all the time. We're like preparing something and we bring it out to the people and we say like a little blessing over our food and we do things with intention. And I I mean, that's like a form of magic, but people, yeah, you're right. They like religious, they re- religify it. <laughs> they really, um, I don't know if that's really a word, but I like it. But it's a, it's a great word. <laughs> it really works. <laughs> And also, too, there there's plenty of witchcraft in this book. You're not just saying, like, wave a ribbon in the wind. There's cord cutting. There's creating sigils. There's a lot of different spells for... I like that it's kind of a recipe book in some ways, That because you can look up something that you have need of, and you'll probably find it in there. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, the most... that That's just, like, the most fun part of it all to me i i'm still wondering if we're going to be putting an index of all the spells in the beginning of the book but you should you should i i hope that we do i mean there's a hundred of them in there spells and practices and rituals and 
I really tried to cover the bases without being too basic. Um, I wanted there to be spells for love, but I wanted them to be for your body or for the community or to, or to grow a sense of, you know, self love when you feel, you know, hatred. Like I really tried to get specific with them, but still open enough for them to be adaptable. Um, and that was another thing with writing it is I wanted the reader to know that though I am sort of positioned as a guide, all the all the spells, rituals, and practices in the book could be adapted to your to your you know specific beliefs. Like if you work with angels or you work with guides, please go ahead and throw them into the mix because I'm not excluding them. I'm just not including them because I wanted to be general for everyone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I got that. I struggle with that, talking about the podcast. I'll be like, God, goddess, source, the mysterious creator, nature. Right. I'll like list like six things when what I really just need is God. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because you just want to include everybody because that's another amazing thing about the magical community to me is it's a place for, not always, but the people that I connect with, it's a place for inclusivity so a lot of the conversations are like what do you mean you don't believe in like uh personified deity or like you can have these conversations with people and it can expand your mind yes without it turning into like my god is better than your god and (laughs) what do you mean you don't use angels in your spells things like that I i like that we can have those conversations I do too. I was just speaking with someone who is, you know, uses fairies often and I do not, but, um, I, I believe we're almost talking about the same things in a way, except we just had different language and different notions of, you know, how, how nature or how source sort of works and plays out for us. Um, but I mean, I mean, I feel like there's some people who can be a little combative, but it's by far like not the majority. Um, That's the thing. Like, I just want us all to respect each other. I think a lot of people who come to magical practice came maybe from, like, an oppressive religious background. And, you know, we need to make space for for everyone to be chill and open and explore what they want to explore respectfully. Yeah, and I think that's part of moving maybe from a repressive religious background like that's just a phase it might it might not be a phase it might be a lifelong thing you might really connect with the hierarchy of it and the rules and stuff but I think too like once you start questioning things it's you're we're so programmed when we're young that it's not like you just decide one day okay I'm not I'm not a Catholic anymore. I'm a witch. And all of a sudden it's just like wiping the slate clean. Like you're, it's an evolution. You're embarking on an evolution at that point. So you might be combative for a while. (laughs) Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I came from a Catholic upbringing and even though I wouldn't consider myself a Catholic these days, um, I, very much I think figure it figures into some of my work um and you know I guess I could try to intellectualize it and and explain it but it's just some things like feel right to you even if they're even if they're maybe not part of what you do as a whole so Mm -hmm. I think it's great to pick and choose what feels good I mean so long as you're doing it respectfully and with intention yes yep 
Yes. Yeah. I also kind of just want to keep talking about your book because there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> it's that's another thing where I'm like scrolling through, looking, looking because I had it online and I'm like, oh, this is really cute. Yes, this is totally cool. We have a similar philosophy. And I liked it. But then when I went back later, like knowing like, oh, our interview is coming up, I should really like actually (laughs) dig in a little bit better. So I know what I'm talking about. I was like, this is good stuff. I'm so glad. There's good stuff in here. Uh, Thank you. I wanted to, I'm into witching on the go and or magic on the go. And you have a chapter called Last Minute Light. And the subtitle, I think, says it all. Emergency spells, rituals, and practices for immediate support in a pinch. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because I, you know, I work a nine to five. And there are times when I just, my my mind is exploding. And I just go and sit in the bathroom stall and I do something. There's no way that I could, you know, really do a spell or a ritual in, in a real way while I'm at my job, for example, or yeah. like traveling or commuting, commuting or something. So I thought to myself, like, what would be really easy and really um, meaningful to include here so that people feel like, okay, all right, I'm having this like panic attack. I'm having this moment of weakness. I'm going to, I'm going to go like shut myself off in, in a corner or just stand in the garden and just like try and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, try to give them tools like little pragmatic tools or objects to use that could represent their inner strength and resilience and um I love I, I, I want to write a whole book on last minute light <laughs> oh it, I mean yeah that to me that's kind of where we're headed because people are so friggin busy it definitely applies to parents but so many people are work, yes. working parents or like you yes. let, let's let's backtrack a second what do you mean you work a nine-to-five how are you having two books coming out this year and you're managing an online magazine and you work a nine-to-five are you a witch what is happening <laughs> I must be I honestly, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Sometimes I think to myself, I am so tired. Um, I mean, it's just, well, the writing part is fun, so it doesn't really feel tiring when I get home to do it. It's it's like a pleasure to do. It feels like this beautiful way to spend my time. And I don't have children, so I'm able to kind of, when I have time off, it's my time. Um so until, you know, that day changes for now, the writing, that's kind of when I'm able to really focus and write is after work and on weekends. It's just fun. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, there's a, chat- I mean, it's not, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> there's yeah, a little no. piece in there. You mentioned glamor magic at one point and then clothing conjure fashion maggot magic at one point. I have, a, this is supposedly going with what you were just saying, but when you were talking about, I, I was going to ask you about where's this creativity coming from? But then when I watched your videos and I looked at some of your pictures, you have this like boudoir writer thing going on like this, (laughs) which I love. It like brings, to me, it brings back the romance of being a woman who writes. And it's definitely giving off like major Anais Nin vibe. She was like, one of those She's my favorite. Oh, because, as a person, even if you don't like her writing, like she was so, she like reveled in her femininity and the power of everyday costume and 
and was always yeah. looking for beauty and was always interested in everything. And I think, well, but that's probably, I'm probably seeing the well of creativity when I'm looking at a picture of Lisa or a video because it's, it's right there in your face. Wow. All of, <laughs> all of what you just said is bringing me to tears. Like that's, that's amazing. And Anais Nin is my favorite, favorite writer. I love her. And you're right. Like there's something just about embodying an aesthetic. Obviously I don't, I mean, I'm wearing yoga pants right now and a t-shirt, so it's not like I can do that every single day, but when I have the time and energy to really put forth and to just, you know, spritzing on some perfume, like inhabiting what that smells like, wearing a little bit of makeup that makes me feel a certain way, um, taking a picture that evokes a certain feeling, like lounging in a certain light. It's all like this really romantic stuff that I think has a practical, you know, benefit. It's that it brings you into a mood. It conjures your own self-sensuality and creativity. It, it kind of, it, it create, it maps your body into like a landscape of art. And I mm. think that's, that's just fun and worthwhile and, it can be very powerful um, yeah. and it reminds you of your own, I guess, power. So yeah, like I said, it's not like I am wearing robes every day, but <laughs> I certainly like to play with aesthetic and glamour yeah. a lot. I've heard quite a few women writers say they like to write in like a vintage robe or a kimono. Like, and I think it is, it's like, I don't know, it's getting into, I think it's coming back to yourself. If you're a naturally creative person, it's a kind of living poetry. It's like making your life poetry. And it just yes. puts you in that space of like, and now I shall create. You know? <laughs> it's it's absolutely true. It's a, it's a full-on ritual of just self-adornment that whatever it takes to bring you out of yourself and like connect to your higher, your higher self and the, the self in you that is generative – whatever it takes to coax that I think is worth doing. Yeah. Um, it's going to be different for everyone, but oh, certainly sure. I guess for sure yeah. for a guy, it could be their lucky baseball cap backward and a toothpick in their mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Whatever brings you there, <laughs> whatever, whatever you need. Yes. Right. And, um, you said self adornment, but the way you describe it to me sounds like sacred adornment. Oh yeah, that's true. I guess it's a it's an adornment of a self in the sacred and and a sacred adornment of self <laughs> like at the same time. Yeah. Well, I think there's a slight difference. Maybe is that just me? Do you see a difference? No, there is. You're you're right. There is. I especially if like, you're like especially if you're like I have to have those eyelashes because I saw it on YouTube and those are the lashes all the girls are wearing and I'm gonna look like a loser if I don't have them. That's not sacred to me. <laughs> Right, no, that's that's not sacred. That's just having an interest in something. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yeah, so um, anyway, glamour magic, people. I, I love glamour magic. We don't talk about it enough because I feel like it gets a reputation for being frivolous, but it's so potent. No, I think it's amazing. Um, there's a great book. I think you did a, you did a podcast with her, um, Deborah Castellano. Oh, I did not, but I do know who oh, you're talking sorry. about. It's okay. Sorry. There was a podcast I listened to, but um, with her, and she did a book on glamour magic, and it was just, it was awesome, and, and I mean, that book is incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's not frivolous. I think it's really powerful and super basic, but 
people don't really think about their clothing or their bodies or what they put on their bodies as magic. But it, it like you are literally putting the magic on you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to give a shout out to your publishers to try to get an index in this thing. Because as I'm <laughs> picturing it <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, there's like, like chapters, there's everyday witchery. And it is kind of encyclopedia like an index like sort of like a um annotated index maybe but longer i don't know you talk about sex magic you talk about earth magic you talk about mermaid magic and um it's just so cool to be able to i i think it'd be awesome to be able to flip to the index and be like where's that mermaid magic thing i read about and be able to just like flip right to it especially when we're thinking about last minute light or everyday witchery and you're like in a hurry damn it no you're right i'm gonna make it happen there needs to be an index (laughs) it has to be there because all the things are you're right they're just they're they when you when you know that they're there you want to find them and there's something beautiful about an index with all these words jumping out at you and just alluring you like a siren (laughs) to come in and it's like a little (laughs) it's like the um seven of cups it's like which one will it be what do you choose yes. I love that you can just kind of like pick your flavor for the moment and and this is a book you can definitely do that too because the way it's laid out there's a lot of white space and things are like chunked into little things are even like outlined so you'll have a page and then there'll be like a little bubble with some information inside and so it's definitely one of those books that you can stand in Barnes and Noble for two hours until your legs are (laughs) you know just like flipping around and looking at all the stuff oh my god my favorite thing to do is just sit in a bookstore and flip through books Mm -hmm. and try not to buy all of them but you have to buy some of them, especially yeah. when they're beautiful. Yes. I, I, want, I want to, to like, acknowledge that you speak a bit about, like, you know, it's light magic for dark times, and you do address the times that we're living in. Um, you talk about, there's a little section called Community Conjurer, using the power of combined energies for community witchery, and... Um, what there's one I liked. I ha- I wrote a couple things down. There's this: a spell to recharge after attending a protest or doing social justice work. And I know a lot of people that listen right now that are listening right now are into that. Yeah, I um I really wanted to make sure that the book was reflective of the times that we're living in and of the the real things that people spend their time doing. Um. Like we we are spending a lot of time in as activists, and I think that's part and parcel with our magic and part and parcel with our creativity and productivity. So it was it was important for me to create like a little space for that in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds sure. it reminds me of that original group in the uh, the '60s, I believe that that was like a group of women protesting under the title witch. Oh, yeah. And I feel like what being a witch today means, it often encompasses what those women were doing. Oh, absolutely. There's like an inherent resistance in witchcraft on so many levels. And it's like a legacy of resistance and a legacy of, you know, fighting for what's good for the earth and for one another. Like if your witchcraft, I think, isn't fighting for the improvement of all lives and especially the lives that are oppressed or silenced or marginalized in some way, like you're, you might be doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. you gotta, you gotta help your fellow 
people. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think so many people are drawn to it because they love the planet or they love animals or they maybe came up in the foster system and want to send, feel a greater sense of empowerment. Is that, what, why? Right. Why did you pick up your first book on witchcraft? Um, yeah, I think it, I think, well, I, I guess to kick it off, like my, when my family was still kind of a family unit, my dad, who is super smart and creative and quite dark and moody, um, he was super interested in the occult. And I remember he let me have a Ouija board and he would read me all sorts of books. I think there was like an Aleister Crowley book in our house and I just naturally gravitated toward it. Um, we watched a lot of horror films together and m like my mom would freak out. She did not like that, but he let me. And then, and then I guess sometime in the future when things started kind of falling apart in my family, I found myself just sitting in the library with nothing to do. This was before the internet really. And I just found myself falling in love with the idea of magic. And I think part of it was that I needed to have some sort of power I felt like everything was falling apart around me. So turning to magic would allow me to kind of like, you know, feel empowered and feel like I wasn't just part of this broken system, but somehow transcending it. Um, and that was kind of like the beginnings of it all. And, you know, I found myself reading like Gardner and, you know, Cunningham and Valiente. But then eventually it kind of it, my practice just became a mishmash of different beliefs and I, I don't really I wouldn't identify as one thing right now besides just a witch um I'm not Wiccan I'm just kind of more rooted in chaos I guess mm. but um yeah I, I turned to it for autonomy and just for healing I think oh my rooted in chaos I feel like I need <laughs> to write that down rooted in chaos like what an oxymoron and a fabulous thing to say <laughs> It's so true, though. I mean, yeah, rooted in chaos, I guess, in two ways. One is that it literally is chaotic. Sometimes I scramble to put little rituals together, or I'll devise an altar in my house on the go of different power objects, or I'll, um, or I'll, you know, work uh, like a little meditation from a dream I had. It all feels like kind of on the go and very eclectic and then chaotic also in the way that like I just sort of blend ideas together you know from different books I've read or different philosophies um I I know I just I know some people are very dedicated in one area and that's really cool um but I just my mind is going too fast and I think I just I gravitate toward what feels right in the moment. Well, Very... that's, that's what makes you the right writer for this book because it is, <laughs> it's comprehensive. It, it really touches on a lot of different things and not in a, um, I said annotated index and I, I don't mean like, it's like glossing over important details. I just mean you manage to kind of capture the essence and like what sigil magic is in a page. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. But I was so scared. I was like, there's so much to say about everything that I don't want to insult anyone for, you know, dedicating a single page to sigil work. But at the same time, I almost felt like if I'm going to create this really kind of accessible open grimoire for everyone to use, there should be touches of, you know, 
of uh, what I've learned throughout the book. There should be like touches where people can kind of think, oh, sigil magic. Like maybe I should really kind of dive in there and research that a little bit more. That jumps out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think it's it's awesome for people that are just curious about what this whole witch thing is that everybody keeps talking about or somebody who's new to the path or somebody who just wants like a fresh modern take on like, all right, I, 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 I love all these old school books, but also like, I do not have time to fit that all in my life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, it was a, it was really like a pleasure to write. Sorry, I was going to say, it's different when you're like a teenager or a very young adult and you have a lot, a lot of time to really immerse yourself into something and like absorb it and be very passionate. And it, as opposed to a lot of women I know who are finding the craft in their mid-life and they have like super busy jobs and kids and some of them have grandkids and it's, but they equally, they feel passionate. They just can't like fully immerse themselves in the whole thing they can't like marinate in it for weeks on end they can exactly they just can dip in here and there but they want that sense of connection and empowerment yeah I mean I I I understand the idea that there are certain you know associations that can't be swapped out for others or that there are certain objects or tools that or ingredients that can't be swapped out because it will change the end result or the meaning but at the same time part of me is like but why i mean i think there needs to be a, a practice for people who like can't yeah like can't uh or or don't have the time to really devote to those to hunting down the perfect object or the perfect ingredient or the perfect herb, but people who like have that energy in them and it's bubbling and they need to manifest and direct that energy. Um, there needs to be a way for them to, you know, do that. Um, and yeah, so respect to all, but my book is certainly geared toward people who just want to make things happen and, a few objects are needed and that's about it. Yeah. When you said why, I'm like, I'm such a why person. Like I feel like on my grave, yeah. my, on my gravestone, <laughs> it could just say why. <laughs> and that would say it all. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. And it's kind of awesome. You're right though. Why, 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 why do I have to listen to all these rules? You have to make up your own rules. What works for you? What feels right? If, if what I say doesn't click, if I'm telling you to use a pink candle and you think a pink candle just doesn't fit the bill for you, please use a different candle, please, because you are going to be the old, you're the one in control of your magic and the outcome. Yes. So please go with what feels good. Yes. And you're still providing a, a structure. There are, there are, spells for people that are like okay I don't want to think that hard I just want to like tell me what to do so like some of my favorites you have a mirror spell for when you forget how magical you are I love that you have mother nature's mood magic I'm super into earthing I recommend Clint Ober's oh is it Ober or Obener I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden Clint Ober's book earthing is awesome um and then you have a sand and sea spell that I hoping that I can like pressure you into sharing because it's something I feel like you could explain very briefly or are you trying to keep everything like super top secret no 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 I mean I don't have my book in front of me actually I should have the book in front of me well the sand and sea spell where you just go to the shore yeah you know this is something it's funny that you ask because this is a spell that I did 
last summer around this time exactly. I went to Florida um, because my boyfriend's family has a house there that they generously let us use. And I was able to kind of spend a lot of time in the water. And the water is my element. I'm a Scorpio. I am a full water sign through and through. Uh, my moon's in Cancer. And water is where I feel the most alive. And I, I swim several times a week. And I use water and showering and bathing as heavy parts of my like magical lifestyle. So last year I went and I spent a lot of time in the ocean just sort of, um, I had been, I, I was experiencing serious grief. I had three people die in a row and just in the thick of it. I was just despairing. Um, so I ended up just kind of going to the sea, um, and writing out my intentions and my wishes into the sand and simply letting the water come up and wash them away. But instead of doing that and walking away, I really sat with it for a good amount of time. And, and I wrote sigils into the sand and had them wash away. And it was an exercise in both casting, but also just being able to let go. So it was twofold. And that's, and that's, it's interesting because I'm actually going next week and I plan on visiting the sea and like rekindling the conversation and saying thank you because I really felt like it healed me. And I, I, in the past year, I've had a transformative experience with my grief and I think the water had a big role in that. Mm, I love that. I love, I, on a sunny day, you get, you get all the elements. You get earth, air, fire, and water when you go to the beach, too. And I yes. think that's, that's so powerful. Exactly. It's a place where literally all of it is there to kind of boost your magic. Mm-hmm. Nature oh, sandbox, literally. Literally. I, oh, I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's make sure to tell people where to find you and how to pre-order this book because it's not out yet, but they can buy it right now. Yes. Um, everyone can buy it right now. It's out September 11th, actually in the U S and September 13th in the UK, New Zealand, Australia, and Canada. Um, you can pre-order it on Amazon right now on Barnes and Noble. You can get it on IndieBound if you want to support your local bookstores. Um, I know in, in, um, Canada, it's, I think, Booktopia, I think, um, Waterstones in England. Um, but it's, it's pretty much everywhere. You can get it on Target and Walmart. Um, oh, how fun. Yeah. Congratulations. I, thank you. It's so weird to me because I was raised in New Jersey, and that's those are the two places I would hang out all the time and just kind of, you know, mess around. So hopefully that they'll be carrying the book. Cool. <laughs> we should give a shout out because people don't do this enough. We should get a shout out to the team, to like the agent and the editor and the publisher. Oh my goodness. This, who, who are the people making this happen? Oh my God. Incredible people are making this happen. So Jess Haberman is my editor. She's uh, with Fairwinds Press at Corto Books and they're a, they're a huge global nonfiction illustrated book publisher and Fairwinds Press is an imprint. They do a lot of amazing books like Vanessa Cuccia's um, Sacred Healing book with crystals. It's coming out soon. Um, Sarah Bartlett. Um, there's so much good stuff coming out with with that imprint, my imprint. And, um, then there's Meredith Quinn and 
Erica, um, the whole team at Corto, thank you so much. And I actually do have an agent, but she came into the picture after my book, but her oh. name is Sarah, Sarah Fair. That's and interesting. Do you have any tips for um, fellow writers That's that because you got your publishing deal before you got your agent? Like, what yes. was that some lucky stroke of magic, or did you just kind of go for it and start submitting to publishers? Or did they find you, maybe? Um, in both cases, they came to me. Um, Corto came to me when they saw Luna Luna and they were like, oh, this is really cool. We would like to explore this a little bit further. And I was super on board um, given the other titles they've been working on. And then my agent, Sarah, found me through a story I wrote for a different book. And I'm so grateful and very humbled about that. But in terms of writers, I think the best thing to do is... um, for writers is to just work on your craft a lot and don't be afraid to reach out. Be just reach out to people, reach out to publishers, reach out to agents, do your due diligence, advocate for yourself, make sure what you're writing is great. Um, and then if you get rejected, which you will a lot, that's okay. It's totally okay. Totally normal. Um, but I will say one of the cool things is uh, Kristen Soleil, who wrote the forward for my book and is the author of Sluts, which is in feminists, she said she used sex magic um, to kind of get her book deal. So she talks a lot about that. and That says is that so she, cool. Yeah. That makes me want to go you know, find her and interview her. She's amazing, and I totally recommend that. She's so, so, so brilliant. Um, and, yeah, like, so, you know, put your energy out there. Put your intention into it. You can make things happen with, you know, you have to do the work. And yeah. trust the universe. Well, I think you're a good example of, I was recently talking about channels. Like, you can do your magic, but then there needs to be a channel for whatever it is you're trying to manifest to come, right, and, to right. come and get you. And you had done the work. You were a poet. You were writing your butt off. You had your own magazine. You were working in that. You were just putting your head down and doing the work. And even though you may have been submitting left, right, and center, what happens is the publisher contacts you and then the agent contacts you. And that's how you know, like, oh, magic is happening. Like, I was creating the channels and then these people just found me. And they might not be people that you would have thought to, to reach out to before. Totally. That's the best way of putting it. You you just, like, keep doing the work. You're going to get rejected by a whole slew of people, and then somehow the the universe brings something else your, your way that you never thought of before. So amazing. So I'm very – I feel blessed. <laughs> yeah, you are, but you earned it, too, at the same time. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're so great. This was so fun. Well, let's do – let's end with, one, making sure people know how to get to your website. Oh, sure. Okay, so – my personal website is my full name, lisamariebazile.com. Um, and you can also go to lightmagicdarktimes.com. And that's a cool blog that I started to interview other people about how they use ritual in their everyday lives. So it's kind of like a like a sister to my book, but it's kind of its own thing too. Oh, neat. Um, I haven't even seen that yet. Well, I'll definitely be emailing you to take part. <laughs> I would love to interview you. Oh, that'd be so um, fun. Yay. I will include links to all this, too. I mean, but, you know, when you're listening, you just kind of want to, like, quickly find something sometimes. Totally. Of searching for the links. So I thought we should give them URLs. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then LunaLunaMagazine.com. So 
you can find Luna Luna and Lisa Marie Bazile stuff all over the internet. <laughs> and nice. I'm, I'm down to talk to everyone. Nice. Okay. So uh, my favorite question to ask at the end of these things is what is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? And it could be anything that comes to mind. Um, I think, honestly, I could talk about like doing the work and intention and stuff, but I think gratitude is the real answer for me, at least being grateful for what I have and like taking stock of it every day or when, when things get hard and when I start to lose sight of like the actual awesomeness that I'm alive and I have friends and I have family, um, just taking a moment for gratitude seems to bring more good things into my life. It's just, you got to have that perspective, I think. For sure. I feel like you could just focus on gratitude and have a very magical existence. Totally. Totally. That could be your practice. And I feel that would be enough. Yeah. It's like the most powerful thing when you really get down to it. It's kind of eye opening and you come away from like a gratitude practice or gratitude meditation being like, oh my God, life is crazy bonkers amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I started doing this thing. I don't know when the day I started. I've been doing it all this year. I started it at the end of last year where I just started. I buy these white prayer candles at the Dollar Tree. They're just plain. Oh, I love it. And I get a gold Sharpie and I write thank you on it. And so at the beginning of the day, Mm. I light the candle and and it gives me just a moment to be like, thank you for this day. And then at the end. That's amazing. Yeah. And then at the end, it gives you another chance to just to keep that at the forefront of your mind and your life and your practice. I love just snuffing it out at the end. My son likes to help me sometimes and we just say thank you. And that I, is beautiful. It's so simple, but I've gotten a lot out of it and I just keep buying the white prayer candles. So I think it's here to stay. Oh my God. That's just, that's like the, per- that's perfect. It's yeah, perfect. I love it. Bookend your day like that. It's yes. amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. I had an awesome time talking to you. Oh my God, I had the best time. Thank you so much for having me and for taking the time to read my book and my poetry. And you're so great. I'm such a huge fan. So thank you. Yay. Okay, everybody. Now you have to go run and get light magic for dark times because I know you, I know you want to. I know you want to. Much love, everybody. Peace.